Hello and welcome to the New York Farm Bureau's Weekly News Bite, bringing you the latest news from the New York State agriculture world. Hi, I'm Steve Ammerman, Director of Communications for New York Farm Bureau. June is National Dairy Month, a time to highlight the biggest sector of New York agriculture in terms of production value. In fact, there are more than 3,500 dairy farms in New York State. That ranks fifth nationally in dairy production. In New York, we are national leaders in the production of yogurt, cottage cheese, and sour cream, and we have our dairy farmers to thank for that. For this week's New York Farm Bureau News Bites, we spoke with one of them. Nate Chinden and his family operate Dutch Hollow Farm outside Albany, New York. We spoke with him in the middle of his freestall barn as the cows munched on their feed right next to us. We begin the conversation with learning more about his family and the generations spent raising healthy cows to produce milk. Beautiful morning at Dutch Hollow Farm. Tell me a little bit about your farm and your family. This is my family's farm, Dutch Hollow Farm. We started here in 1976. Uh, my dad came over from his father's farm and started all over again with 55 cows and three small children and my mom. And I was born two years later. And as the family has grown up and we've all remained very interested in being here on the farm, the farm grew with us. So from 1976 to today, we've grown slowly and steadily to where now we're about 800 milking cows. And not only are my two brothers and myself partners here with my parents, but we're very proud to have the next generation finishing college and, and starting here on the farm too, as I have a niece and a nephew and a, and a nephew-in-law who are all now gonna be active partners here on the farm and another niece right next door who still remains interested today with a farm of her own. Well, that's exciting to hear, and a lot of people don't realize that to grow a farm, it's because your family grows and you have to support more members of your family. You know, none of us really relish the idea of having a small farm all to ourselves with all that responsibility. By, by growing the farm, we're all able to still stay as a team. And the lives we live today are a lot better than the lives we had growing up, where it was 24-7, 365 for every one of us. You know, the farm today, we have enough talented people here on the farm that we can still devote some time to our families at home and get away from every once in a while and know that there's a, still a team here keeping things running because the farm never stops. You know, it, it, the cows still need to be cared for 24 hours a day. You know, and to expect one person to be here 24 hours a day is just, it's not physically possible anymore. So what is it about caring for the cows and doing what you do and what your whole family does that, that keeps you, you know, here year after year and, and, and your, your family wanting to, to still be a part of it? My wife said it best when she was growing up and as we got married, she never pictured herself marrying a dairy farmer. Just she never thought that that was who she was going to marry. But after a couple years of having her children grow up here on the farm, and being able to come to the farm with me on the weekends in the summertime and have cows and animals to care for and the life that we're living, she couldn't picture a better way to raise our children. And I think that's, that's the way we all grew up. You know, we all felt part of something greater helping out on the farm. You know, we learned a lot of life lessons early on. You know, the circle of life, you know, we learned just how precious life is and how and the responsibility of caring for something. And I think it's all, whether it's the land or whether it's the animals, you know, we're, we're caring for something greater than ourselves with the idea of passing it along to a future generation. And I guess I got to get a lot of credit to my parents for raising us in such a way that we took that lesson to heart 
and we want to pass it on to our children. It's a great lesson. And let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about the care you provide for your animals. What does it take to, to raise a, a healthy dairy cow and, and, and make sure that they have you know, the life that you want them to have? Yeah, so yeah, the baby calves are born right here on the farm and it's 24 seven. You know, there could be a calf being born right now. And the minute that calf is born, mom has done her job. And, you know, it's just like going to a hospital when you have a newborn human born. There's doctors and nurses there that are going to be making sure that that newborn baby has the best chance to start, you know, and have a successful life. You know, and, and we do the same thing here. You know, our, our team of people, we're gonna make sure that baby calf gets fed and cared for properly and is healthy for every day of its life. And it's, and it's nonstop. It never stops being a responsibility. You know, it gets easier as animals get older, but every single day, those animals need clean water. They need a safe environment. They need clean, dry bedding to lay down in. They need freedom of movement. They need to be able to be an animal. And we feed them, we care for them and, and grow them as healthy as possible. You know, we have dietitians that help work with us to design the best ration to feed these animals so that they're growing healthily. And that's everything that we put, in, put into it, growing our own crops to feed these animals. Everything we do has a science to it to make sure that the result is a healthy, well-grown animal that's gonna be in turn making nutritious milk that we're gonna turn into dairy products for, for us to enjoy. It's a big cycle that a lot of people don't realize all that goes into to that glass of milk or that, that ice cream cone that they, they have. Yeah, it's a lot more than just milking a cow and sending the milk off. Yeah, I mean, every step of that process here in the Northeast is part of that farmer's responsibility. It's not just growing crops, but we have to be caring for that soil too. We've learned through technology, through science, that we can improve the quality of that soil if we care for it correctly. That means fertilizing it, putting manure on at the right time of year, using the best techniques we have to minimize erosion, to grow the best crops for the seasonality that we have, for the climate we have, that's gonna be the best feed for those cows. We're also making sure that we're protecting the water. We don't have a problem with droughts here in the Northeast generally. You know, it's usually too much water. And we gotta make sure that the water that we are drinking is as clean as can be. And that's a farmer's responsibility too. The ground underneath us is the beginning of the water reservoir that feeds New York City. The people in New York City have clean drinking water because the farms upstate care for the land, that we have the soil that's being the filter for that water. It starts right here. So what is it that you do? What steps do you take with your crops, your manure management, everything that, that goes into the soil? What does Dutch Hollow do to, to protect our environment? So we figure out the best way to grow that crop without tearing up the soil and creating more erosion than necessary. You do have to till the soil to get the plants in the ground. We have to grow the right crops. We put buffer strips up to protect the waterways that go through our fields. We have ponds and streams. You know, the Hudson River is only two miles from here as the crow flies. The tributaries for that Hudson River are going all through our fields. So if the water coming off our fields when it rains isn't clean when it hits that stream, it's polluting the Hudson. We have to make sure we put buffer strips up. We till the soil in such a way that we are not increasing the amount of runoff that's gonna hit the water. We only apply manure when the weather's right. And once we apply it, we incorporate it into the ground so it's not sitting on the surface waiting for the next rainstorm. We have so many different tools in the toolbox that we can implement to make sure that we have the best results from growing our crops with healthy soil while minimizing our effect on the climate and on, and on the cleanliness of the water. Yep, we do cover crops in the fall when, when it works. 
You know, last year was a perfect example. Not a lot of cover crops went in the ground because it probably would have been worse to try to put cover crops in than to leave the soil untouched. You know, we have to do things year by year. We, it's, not a, it's not a one size fits all approach. When the weather's right, when the crops came off right, we can put cover crops on to protect that soil. And we do that every chance we get because it's, it's beneficial to the farmers too because all those nutrients that we're putting into the soil to grow that crop can be lost if it's not being held there. And the cover crops not only hold the soil, but they hold all the nutrients in the soil. It's like a bank account. So the next spring when we're ready to grow that corn or that put, seed that down to hay or soybeans or whatever we're growing, those nutrients are still sitting there waiting to be used as fertilizer. It, it takes, you know, good people, hardworking people to, to run a farm. You have a lot of family members here. You employ people as well. Can you talk about the, the team and, and what goes into to not only taking care of the cows, but also taking care of your people? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm very proud of the team of people that we have here. You know, we have, you know, local kids that grew up next door to us that see this as a part-time job as they get old enough to work. And maybe they took a tour here of the farm when they were little and saw the cows and then they learned there's so much more. And they learned it's a place where they can have a part-time job. And, and I hope that they fall in love with agriculture the same way that our born and bred kids here on the farm do. It's, it's as much a source of pride to me watch local kids who are not part of the family take as much pride in our farm as, as our family does. And in that way, they become part of the family. But every single person, I think, has as much pride in doing things the right way as we do, as the way I grew up. And that's, that's the message we send to them. You know, it's not just about punching a time clock and doing the job. You have a mission, you have a vision of, of how we're gonna do things, not just to make money, but to do things the right way so that the community around us can be proud of our farm. It's very important for us to have our neighbors, our community, feel pride in our farm and know that we are doing things the right way. The people that work for us, they are so dedicated to these animals, you know, it, it's, it's dedicated to doing things the right way that we want to make sure they're well taken care of too. They're part of this community. Their kids are going to school here. They're paying taxes here. They want to have a future for their lives, for their families. What, so we've talked about, you know, a lot of what goes into the farm. Also, what are some of the challenges that your farm faces and, and other dairy farms and just other farms in general here in New York State? I think there's challenges that we can probably relate to every single business, no matter what it is. You know, economies of scale, supply and demand, you know, these basic economic principles that we all hopefully learned in high school, whether we retained it or not. You know, and one of the challenges here in the Northeast, specifically in New York, is that we have a high cost of production. To produce milk here in New York State, it is more expensive than in other parts of the country. That's just a fact we can't get around. We have a different climate that we have to work with. We have winters that can last for five months, six months of, of, of weather where we cannot grow crops or, or do not have anything growing out there for our cows. You know, that's not everywhere in the country. You know, we have that as a challenge. We have higher fuel costs because of that. You know, we, we have, we have environmental regulations, which are important. We want to make sure we're doing things the right way, but not every place in the country has the same level of environmental regulations. Labor costs are going to be a little higher in New York, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. I think taking care of people is still a number one priority here. The cost of living for people in New York State is higher than other places. People need to get paid what they're, what the, what they're worth, what their value is. We need to make sure they're taken care of. But it's all things that go into a business's cost of production. You know? And when we can't 
change our level of our, our price, the price that we're getting paid for our product, you know, it becomes imbalanced. That profit margin that every business is looking for is not under our control. You know, we can try to minimize the increased costs of what we do to produce our milk, but we can't do anything about the pay price that we're getting on the other end. And like everyone else, you have higher costs right now too with yes. inflation and, and can you describe some of those, those higher costs and in, in, in input prices that, that you're having to deal with? So, I mean, everything is affected globally. Everything we've been going through for the last two years. Fuel costs are through the roof, of course they are. So if we didn't contract the right price at the right time, you could be really at the mercy of what the current fuel prices are. And this is a time of the year where we are burning a lot of fuel. Those tractors don't run on air. They take a lot of fuel to get that ground worked up and planted to grow those crops. So May through July can be in a very busy time, very high cost of fuel, product, you know, fuel inputs. But we're also buying all that seed. And like anything else in the supply chain, you feel lucky if you can get the product you want. It's very hard sometimes right now to fi even find the things you need. You might have six months that you gotta wait for tires to come in to put on that tractor if you can find the right size. The supply chain is just messed up. So if the supply chain's messed up, the cost of getting those things is obviously gonna be higher too. But seed, fertilizer, all the things that we're using a lot right now as we're putting those crops in the ground, the price of them is way up. And it's just, it's a, we always know that this is the time of the year we're incurring a lot more costs than we're getting back out. This is, a, this is an expensive time of year. When a tractor breaks down, if we can't fix it here in-house, and a lot, just like people's cars and everything else nowadays with technology, there's a lot of computers, a lot of, of circuits and things like that in those tractors, just like our, new, our cars. We need somebody to come in with a computer to diagnose our tractor to get it fixed. Well, number one, do we have that person within a three hour radius? And unfortunately, here in this part of New York, it's nip and tuck whether we're gonna have a person that can be here in the same day. We can't lose a day, you know? We have to fight with the weather every single day. This is the time of year where if it's sunny, if it's not raining, we have to be doing something out there. And to lose a good day of weather because machinery's broke down because we can't get the people to fix it, let alone the parts, that could be a backbreaker for, for a farm. So obviously you have challenges, but hopefully you have opportunities <laughs> as well. Yeah. Can you talk about, you know, what you look forward to or the opportunities you see for maybe not just your farm, but also for New York Dairy as well? Well, I think we have to remember that here in New York, we are so close to so many people from Boston to Syracuse, New York City, Washington, D.C. We're all six hours or less from all these major metropolitan areas. You know, so many people live here in the Northeast still and I think we've really seen where people want to know where their food's coming from. It's a moment of pride for me to have people that are weekending at a B&B &B from New York City that find our farm on Google Maps and want to come and see our farm. And that might be their one opportunity to see a farm, to see a dairy farm in person. And I love being able to share our farm. We, we all do. We all cherish that moment when we see a car slowing down with a toddler in the back seat looking at our animals on the pasture my dad my brothers any one of us will pull right up to that car and invite them into the yard and take 10 minutes to let them see the animals even closer we want to make sure that people know what you're seeing from the road is what you're going to see inside the farm we're transparent we want to answer your questions we want 
everybody that is interested in our farm to walk away with a truthful answer about what they what they want to know. And would you encourage other farmers to do the same? If they're able to, you know, it's a it's a lot of pressure. Every day is a busy day on the farm. Even when we're not doing crops, it's still a 14, 15 hour day for some of us on our off days. And it, it can be really stressful to, to lose a half an hour visiting with somebody, but I have never met a farmer who isn't more than happy to spend a couple minutes answering questions and talking about their farm. I think it does t sometimes take a certain mindset when you're talking with people who don't know farming to not be defensive. I think we have to remember that people just want to have their questions answered and they want to feel like the person answering them is authentic and not cynical or pessimistic. It can be stressful, it can be hard to sometimes always have that mindset, but it's, but it's what we need to do. And in the end, people just want to know that the food that they're eating is, is healthy, it's safe, it, it comes from a good place. That all starts here at Dutch Hollow. And where does your milk go when it leaves the farm? So uh, we're proud members of Agrimark Cooperative. You know, it's a co-op of about 650 farms through New York and New England and proud owners of the brand Cabot. If you enjoy Cabot cheese, Cabot butter, Cabot yogurt, you are enjoying milk that came from farms just like mine throughout here, throughout New York and New England. And, and that's where our, co that's our co-op. We're also members of Hudson Valley Fresh, which bottles its milk downstate and is putting fluid milk into our schools up and down the Hudson River. They also make yogurt and ice cream mixes and things like that. Very, you know, very local for the Hudson Valley. We also have a couple of cheesemakers, people that have maybe not the, the ability to have a farm of their own, but they want to be part of, of producing food. And we've had a couple artisan cheesemakers that pick up milk from our farm and turn it into really high quality cheese. We are also members of, of our Beecher's Cheese, who buy their milk from us and our next door neighbors and are right down in Manhattan every single day turning our milk into cheddar cheese. You know, you can walk down the sidewalk, look in the windows of their, of their building and see them cutting the curds in their cheese tables. I've been there and it's very good cheese and it's good to know it's, it's your milk. <laughs> yeah, it's us and our next door neighbors and, and that's, that's who's supplying them with milk. So it's, our family has always been very proud of the fact that the way we raise our cows and the cows that we're milking is making a high quality product that so many different people want to use to make a product for other people to enjoy. And there are, people are enjoying more dairy products. Cheese, uh, yogurt is, is, is continues to, to, you know, cover the, the dairy shelves at the store. Artisan ice cream. I mean, there really is uh, expanded look at, at what dairy provides and all the delicious products that, that we love. And that has to also be exciting to you as well, knowing that dairy is expanding in different ways than maybe what we used to think of as, as you know, solely just that glass of milk. Yeah, I mean, my family, we're still drinking a gallon of milk a day just about. You know, families are more busy going here, going there than we, than maybe the way that I grew up or, or people older than me grew up. We don't get to sit around the dinner table with a glass of milk at every meal the way that maybe we think we used to do. We're just on the go more and people still love dairy. So we have to figure out creative ways for them to enjoy dairy, which is an amazingly nutritious product, not just a great tasting product, but a nutritious product. But how are they gonna enjoy it if they're not sitting at a table where it just came out of the fridge, ice cold milk? Yeah, yogurt travels a whole lot easier than milk does or cheese or, you know, we're putting butter on everything, and I say more butter the better. Whey protein, our, our nutritious dairy shakes, and I mean, any of our, our, a lot of our fitness products, protein is, is what's 
everybody's looking for in those products. Well, whey protein coming from milk is such an easy way to get a very nutritious, natural protein into those products. We think about exporting now. New York is producing more milk than what we need here. We need to be able to export that globally. There's lots of places across the world that are having emerging middle classes that are looking to improve the quality of the food that they're eating that maybe can't get it locally. So getting dairy across the globe is a really driving factor for the success and the future of the dairy industry here in New York. Getting more people to realize just how great dairy is in their, in their daily lives is great for New York. Ultimately, it affects the, the, your milk check. If we can sell more, yeah. whether it's in a local grocery store or around the world, ultimately that, that helps our New York dairy farms. Yeah. Finally, you know, we are in June Dairy Month. And you know, what is it that you would really love people to know about what you do and dairy and, and, and why, we sh why we take a whole month to celebrate uh, what is so important to New York agriculture? It was actually just this morning as we were getting our kids ready for school and eating breakfast and all getting ready for the day that I realized that, yeah, June's right on top of us. My, my oldest son's got like two or three more days of classes before he's done with classes and it's all getting ready for exams. June is the final month for most of our kids going to school. And I really think the last couple of years has taught our community just how important our public school system is to getting nutritious food to our kids. You know, we don't all have the same privileges. Our schools are very, very crucial to getting nutritious food into our students. When we had everybody stuck at home, we just realized what kind of crisis we were looking at. And schools rose to the challenge getting food to those kids. And it's a source of pride to know that dairy was a centerpiece of the food, keeping these kids, you know, giving them a good healthy diet. Well, June is the last month before they go off for the summer. And I think it's a great time to really hit, hit home that dairy is local, that it's so nutritious for the cost, for the dollars that, that your family is spending on food, that there's nothing that you're gonna buy better than dairy to get your kids fed well, nutritious. It's just so important that we walk away from school, that we go off into that summer with that message in our heads, that it's local, that it's going to keep your kids fed and do it efficiently. And it's also, it's not just supporting our schools and, and the, the health of our children, but it's also supporting our local communities. Yeah. It's supporting local jobs. You know, there's so much more to dairy farming uh, and its impacts across uh, our communities and across the state than, again, just buying that gallon of milk in the store. And, and uh, I just want to thank you and your family for doing what, what you do every day because it does matter. Well, thank you. And, uh... We can't do it without people supporting us, you know, so thank you to everybody that supports dairy, supports New York agriculture, because it really is a community where we're working together. Well said. Thank you so much, Nate. Yep. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of New York Farm Bureau's News Bites. We raise a glass of milk this month to all the hardworking dairy farmers and their employees who keep us fed. And of course, we're especially grateful for that scoop of ice cream during the hot summer months. Well, that is it for this week's Bite of News from New York Farm Bureau. Thanks for listening, and as always, make sure to thank a farmer for all that they do.